Welcome to Nun Talks. Uh, today our topic focuses on Orange Shirt Day. Um, and Westwind School Division prepares to acknowledge that on September 30th. Orange Shirt Day has become an opportunity for First Nations, Métis, Inuit, local governments and schools and communities across Canada to come together in the spirit of reconciliation and hope for generations of children to come as we acknowledge that all children matter. Today, as I was uh, thinking about Nun Talks and addressing the topic of Orange Shirt Day, um, I decided that a great opportunity to invite one of our staff members who has uh, worked hard in Westwind and has promoted um, the values of First Nation individuals in our community. And it is a counselor teacher who works at Cartston Junior High. He teaches um, Blackfoot culture and uh, the Blackfoot language. And so today our guest is uh, Moses Spearchief. Happy to have him join our show today. Thank you. Uh, My name is Moses Spearchief and I'm from the Blood Reserve. And I'm glad to be and I'm honored to be asked to be a part of this. So I'm going to just ask you, uh, Moses, if you'll just give us a little bit of uh, history about yourself. Uh, maybe talk about your own educational experience, if you can, for a minute. Okay. And then we'll go from there. All right. Thank you. Um, I went to uh, boarding school when I was about five and a half years old. I went to the St. Paul's Residential School. Um, when uh, the Protestant priest came to our home uh, on the reservation, uh, my parents didn't realize what was going on. They had an interpreter that came with the, the priest and two other uh, people. Going back to my early years of boarding school, uh, I was forcibly uh, removed from my grandparents' uh, our home, and uh, it was uh, I can just see and remember uh, that day I had I was taken and put into boarding school and stripped of all values and dignities and uh, anything that meant something to me was taken. And uh, that was the start of my education as as a young boy. And in the boarding school, being unable to speak the English language, the only language I knew was the Blackfeet language. And we were told, uh, and the other students told me, Minitsi uh, Pui, which means uh, don't talk Blackfoot. Uh, you're going to get uh, uh, punished for it. So, well, the, f- the first year of boarding school was the most traumatic experience that any person 
uh, can endure with uh, all the punishment, the religious abuse, the physical abuse, mental abuse, and this uh, apparently there was um, some uh, sexual abuse going on, which I, I never knew about till I heard it from other kids that it was what was going on behind closed doors. And uh, but every day there were kids crying, being punished for speaking their language. Um, because it was the only language they knew how to communicate. And being stripped of our culture and ceremonial spiritual beliefs, uh, you know, there was a disconnection there that I don't know how to explain it, but uh, everything was new to us. We had to do this and that. We were forced to do this and that. And if we didn't do it, then they automatically thought, hey, I'm being, that, that child is being rebellious, you know, need to teach him a lesson, okay. So this went on throughout my first year of uh, boarding school. At the beginning of it, I, I finally realized, you know, if I go along with everything that they want us to do, I would, uh, get out from being punished and I caught on pretty quick and even today I never lost my Blackfoot language. That's one thing they couldn't break or break my spirit from speaking my language. And I learned survival at the boarding school. Um, I had to contend with bullies at the boarding school. Um, I had to either fight because if I didn't, they took food from me. And, and if you've ever experienced hunger, going to bed at night and having cramps, stomach cramps from hunger, that's what a lot of us went through and the kind of food they gave us wasn't very good, and we had to eat it. And you went to to boarding school at, at about five and a half, mm. removed from your home. Um, some of those experiences. At what point did you leave, or have the opportunity to leave, or not return uh, to boarding school? And and where did kind of life take you after those experiences oh. with boarding school? I I stayed there. Uh, I stayed there for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, two years I left uh, was, uh, I was in grade uh, eight, and uh, I wanted to leave. And I came to Carson Junior High School for my grade eight and okay. grade nine. and. I passed my departmental exams at that time. And then for grade 10, I went to Calgary uh, Catholic Boys School, yep. St. Francis. Um, and I went there for a year uh, because 
they had sports activities and uh, they had uh, uh, rodeo school that was part of their curriculum. So we're going to sidetrack for just a minute to talk about it because you brought it up. You went and, and rodeoed, and that's something you and I have in, in common. But mm-hmm. tell us just uh, briefly a little bit about you and your, your kind of your rodeo career and oh, uh, where, the, where that took you in life. I, I was still in, uh, well, everybody wanted to be cowboys on the blood reserve. I think every stray horse or cow that was alongside of the road, we chased them in. And I think all those, uh, most of those horses and cows that were along the side of the road, you know, we got on them and we practiced them. We didn't have... Not really uh, anybody that teaches you was on our own. And there was, like today, it's it's pretty big. Uh, we didn't, there was no such thing as insurance for <laughs> getting hurt. So it was up to you, you know. Yeah. And from there, you know, I didn't finish my college. Uh, first year, I only went six and a half months. And then I decided, nah, this isn't for me. I, I packed up my, my vehicle and I had an old jalopy. And I went south to the United States and uh, I started working for ranchers here and there and got into uh, local rodeos here and there. and and I joined the Western State Indian Rodeo Association. Now I know uh, you uh, you haven't talked about this, but I know you went on with your own education. Yeah. Um, you talked about going to Lethbridge College for six and a half months or so, yeah. and then wanting to live the dream of being a cowboy. When did you come back to education and, and um, kind of where you ended up as being a teacher? And I know you were the head of the language department at the school in, in Browning as well. Yeah. And just well, share some of that with us. Okay. Um, after uh, I came back from California, I was in Phoenix. I was in uh, Arizona. Uh, at that time, I tried to continue my career in rodeo, but, you know, with the injuries I've had, you know, it was... I couldn't, I couldn't do as good as I thought I was able to, and so I just called it good and left. Um, I finally, you know, I got into the drinking. Uh, I drank quite a bit, and uh, finally one day I decided this, I can't do this anymore, you know, and when I... I was still in treatment when I decided I want to go back to school. So I got some information and I went to Lethbridge, uh, oh, uh, Spokane Community College and uh, to find out what the protocol was to getting back in. I had to do, I had to write an entrance exam, but I had a good I got to be friends with a student counselor there and uh, helped me uh, get what I needed to study for my my test. 
in math, science, English, and so I had to take some refresher courses, you know, when I first got enrolled and I got accepted. Well, I know for me, as I've got to know you, uh, I'm inspired by your story of uh, uh, residential school survivor. Um, you were very open in our conversation about uh, um, having to wean off some pills for painkillers yeah. and some uh, alcohol use and then the determination to go back to school mm -hmm. and, and contribute. So there's two things I'd, I, <coughs> I really want to talk about with you uh, for a minute. And most of you can't see, Mo well, none of you can see Moses. He has around his uh, neck today a, a beaded um, orange shirt. And tomorrow, um, September 30th, we'll celebrate Orange Shirt Day in, in Westwind. And, and the story of the orange shirt itself but um, can be found on lots of sites and lots of information there. Um, but I just want to, Moses, for just a minute maybe, if you can just share what the orange shirt means to you personally and the impact of understanding residential schools, understanding uh, truth and reconciliation and what that means. But, but for you personally, uh, what are some things that, that you would like us to know about the orange shirt and truth and reconciliation? Yeah, uh, the TRC, uh, Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission, uh, what it's uh, about is truth is what really happened uh, to First Nations um, known as indigenous people in the residential schools across Canada and the United States. So reconciliation is, all, is about understanding or the beginning awareness of um, what is needed to create change. And for us, uh, is to start with the 94 calls to action. And these 94 calls to action starts with um, the dominant culture. The implementation of these calls, 94 calls to action by laws associated with government education. So, uh, Moses, I, you brought this up, and, and I just want to make sure we, we talk about it and, and address it, because I know it means a lot to you. Um, and that's a little bit on the, the, the cultural piece for you, and, and uh, I know, um, I believe it was last summer mm. um, at Sundance, uh, you went through ceremony and had opportunity to become a, a bundle holder. Yeah. And um, just talk to us for just a minute about, because you mentioned the role of an elder and the elders to teach young people. Mm -hmm. um, just talk to us about how those two things combine in your role in the school and how you feel about that responsibility placed on you as, okay. as, a, as an elder. It's my responsibility as an elder and other elders on the reservation to think about what's really happening and how can we help our people, our young people. So it's our Blackfoot identity that we have to upkeep by 
maintaining our language as Blackfoot people. And without our language, our songs, our ceremonies, we're going to lose that. And every year we're losing elders and all the knowledge that they keep, they had, they learned, has gone with them. So it's up to us as elders to continue teaching our younger ones and help them uh, get on that healing journey, like I called it, when I finally decide I'm not going to drink anymore. Kids in our schools are exposed to all the complicated factors. Object poverty, um, inadequate housing, racial profiling, hopelessness, domestic violence, addictions, family violence, community violence, and more. Ongoing suicide normalized into adulthood. And this is all uh, it creates, survival, not resilience. And it stems from the boarding school. It's passed down generation, generation of what happened in boarding school. So Moses, uh, a term that's used, and maybe just give us a little understanding of that uh, term, is the intergenerational trauma. <clears throat> and, um, and you just kind of brought that up, that, that from boarding school and not understanding family dynamics, uh, kids removed from home and, and not experiencing what it's like to be parented or or have parents' uh, affection, and <clears throat> et cetera, has, has now um, multiplied over generations. <clears throat> and, and all of the factors of that are, are what you've um, talked about with us. And so as we, we move forward um, under the, the guidance of what you talked about of the um, calls to action from Truth and Reconciliation um, and recognizing uh, cultural... Um, differences and strengths within those cultures um, where uh, and, and drawing attention to that um, and tomorrow is one of those days with orange shirt day um, uh, what are some of those things that you feel like um, uh, we can do um, in our in our current educational system um, to support our First Nation students, but not only support them, mm -hmm. but support other students in understanding that perspective. What are two or three things you think we can do to, to uh, highlight that and support those students? Um, okay. Well, in my, my opinion, I would say we need to further educate our staff at school, our administrators, our parents, or even our non-native students, and let them know, hey, there's a lot of issues just across the road over here. There's um, people that uh, have deep-seated sense of issues regarding what happened to them. So uh, we're about out of time. 
Um, but a couple of things just to recap for me. I, I just really appreciate you coming and, and being open. And, and I can't imagine um, really the challenge of even reliving some of those memories of you shared them with us and, and uh, talking about your own healing journey and your honesty and some of the things you experienced. And, and your desire to share um, your own knowledge with young people. And uh, I, I know, because um, I worked with you for six years, or now almost ten in different capacities, but um, your love for, for young people, and your love for the Blackfoot language and culture and traditions, um, and the impact, uh, I guess uh, I thank you for the impact that you've had on me personally, but upon uh, students as well. And, and I've had uh, daughters in your class uh, that mm. learned a little Blackfoot language and culture, yeah. um, and I appreciate that. So just in closing, Moses, what are, what are two or three things you would like every young person to think about and to, um, to have an impact in their life? What are two or three things you would like those young, young kids in that critical decision-making time in their life what would you say to them? Today, I would like to tell the students that, hey, in our belief system and our cultural values, sharing is important. Sharing our beliefs, sharing our language, sharing our prayers. Being kind. And in our prayers, we're always saying at the end of our prayer, live a long, prosperous life. And in order to do that, you have to maintain our cultural values and who we are as Blackfoot people. And to be kind to others. Eh? So. In order for everybody to be one as when we pray, is that we, or myself, would like to tell the teachers and students, uh, learn the history and understand the impact of uh, what happened to us and working together to reduce barriers so to have faith and uh, resilience you have to be kind and share be willing to share about our stories that been told to us from uh, our elders and respect all people. And I teach that in my class. The only requirement in my class is having respect for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on our, our show today. and. And uh, tomorrow as we celebrate Orange Shirt Day and remember that, that every child matters. And uh, hopefully as professionals, as educators, as members of a community, 
we remember that and we do our part to improve and, and benefit the lives of, of all students and all, all people that we interact with and, and we come to a better understanding of who we are as an individual um, and then we uh, work at understanding others. And so again, uh, I appreciate Moses coming on here. Um, I know that uh, it took time out of his day and, and prepping to be here with us, but uh, grateful for the opportunity. And, and once again, thanks to Moses Spear Chief, uh, teacher and counselor at Carson Junior High School and um, uh, a man of many gifts and talents. And so thanks again for being here, Moses. You're welcome. Thank you. And have a good day.